The Bible Study Podcast, episode 671. Today, the Bible Study Podcast is a sermon on the feeding of the 5,000. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. This is a special episode. I was preaching this week at Bethel Lutheran Church in Cupertino, which is my home church, and I'll be using that as this week's episode. We covered two different sets of scripture lessons, and I'm going to read them to you now so you'll have the context. The first is Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 5. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And then the second lesson is from Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children." And before we get into the sermon, I'll also tell you that there's a video version of this available on the website at thebiblestudypodcast.com under episode 671 that has the slides that I used for this as well. So if you want to stop this now and go look at the video, feel free to do that. But here we go. Good morning. I'm Chris Christensen. In the sermon this morning, I want to focus on the gospel lesson, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I think a lot of us are familiar with this story. We probably learned it in Sunday school. And it's a story that talks about Jesus who goes off to a lonely place and the crowds follow him. So he has compassion on them. He heals them. And as the day gets in later and later, the disciples say, why don't you send them away? Because we're out here in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing for them to eat. And he says, well, why don't you feed them? They say, we don't have anything. We said, what do you have? We have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, give them to me. 
And in Jesus' hands, that little that was given is enough to feed 5,000 men plus women and children, to feed this crowd with leftovers still. And so we learn about the sufficiency of what God has, that when we take what little we have and we put it in God's hands, it is enough. And that is a great story. But I think if we push deeper, we'll learn even more than we did when we were first in Sunday school. I want to focus on the five lows. And not just because I'm not a fish eater, but because I think we can learn a fair amount by looking at some of the other places in the Bible where bread is mentioned, where loaves of bread like these five loaves. So we're going to do a quick overview here through some of the highlights, and this is probably one of the first ones if I say bread in the Bible you might think of, and that's manna. When the people of Israel are going for 40 years in the desert of Sinai, God feeds them with bread from heaven, the manna, which literally means, what is it? And God gives them this to uh, to gather every day, and every day they go out and they gather enough for that day, except for the day before the Sabbath, where it will keep for two days. But when they don't trust God, that God will provide for them day to day, then they try and save it up, and it goes bad. It goes wormy. It's gross. And so we learn from that, again, the sufficiency of God, the provision of God, but also to trust in God on a daily basis. And then we also have the story, similar story of God's provision, like the feeding of the 5,000, like manna of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. There is a famine going on in the nation of Israel because of a drought. And Elijah goes to the city of Zarephath to a woman and says, give me something to eat. And she says, I have so little. She has a little flour, a little oil. She's about to go home and bake one last loaf of bread for her son and her to eat, and then they will die. Then they will starve. And Elijah says, don't worry. Give me some of the bread, and what you have won't run out. And through the whole time of the drought and through the whole time of the famine, she still has a little bread, a little flour rather, and a little oil, and it doesn't run out. And again, we see the provision of God in this story. Or we think of the Old Testament lesson we had for today, which takes bread and starts to use this concept of bread in a theological way. When the prophet Isaiah says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and you labor for that which does not satisfy? And we'll get back to that in a little bit. We also see Jesus in temptation. I actually preached on this earlier this year that when Jesus is out in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting and the devil shows up, he says, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Bread is so many different places in the Bible. The places in Genesis, where Abraham is greeting the angels who come to send him good news by telling Sarah to go bake bread. The Exodus story where they bake unleavened bread because they don't have time to let the bread rise. In Matthew, where Jesus teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer and he says, give us this day our daily bread. Or the story of Exodus, where they are told that in the tabernacle there will be a place where they'll put bread the bread of the presence, so that every day they will be reminded of the provision of God. And of course, the story of 
when Jesus says, I am the bread of life in the book of John, or every Sunday that we do communion, when we celebrate that with the words that Jesus spoke at the Last Supper, this is my body broken for you. So bread is throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and many different ways that it is used within that story. And when we say bread, First of all, I want to disabuse you that this is the mental picture you should have for bread because bread that looked like this, sliced bread, actually is not as old as my father. It was created in the second year of my father's life back in 1928. Uh, By the way, we sometimes say that something was the best thing since sliced bread. If you're wondering what was the best thing before sliced bread, when they advertised sliced bread for the first time in 1928, they said the best thing sensed wrapped bread so that your bread wouldn't go stale like that manna did where it got bad on the second day. But the bread that the Bible is talking about is this kind of bread, flat bread, not very tall little loaves. And so when it talks about five loaves of bread, think this kind of bread. But bread is everywhere throughout the Bible because it's everywhere in their lives. Bread is everywhere. Bread is daily. Bread is ordinary. Bread is hospitality, the breaking of bread. But bread is also life. We're talking about a culture in the Fertile Crescent where all of the grains, except for rice, all of the other grains that we eat today, wheat and barley and oats and all of those things come from this region. And that grain becomes a very important part of their diet, the foundation of their diet. Every meal is bread and something else. So when Esau sells his birthright, he sells it for some stew and some bread. When Joseph goes into Egypt and there's going to be a famine, they save up the wheat so they can make bread. Bread is everything. Bread is life. But it's also just, it's ordinary. It's every day. And I think of when I had a chance to go to Morocco, we went to a village up near the High Atlas Mountains above Marrakesh. And we had to walk up the last portion of this to this remote village. We took our luggage and put it on a donkey and brought it up the mountain. And there is some electricity and even now an internet line that goes to this village. But mostly the life here is the same way it's been lived for centuries. And one of the things that includes is that every morning the women of the village will make dough and they will take this to be baked into bread down to two communal ovens. So bread is part of every meal there as it was in Jesus' time. And so that's what I want you to think of when you think of bread, when you hear that in the feeding of the 5,000, those five loaves, because we're going to get into the meaning of that in a little more detail now. Now, first of all, let's talk about the feeding of the 5,000. When that story started in our gospel lesson today, before it got into the part that you're familiar with from Sunday school, it started with the words, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. So this story is not a story of Jesus looking for the ideal place to do ministry, to heal the sick from these people from the nearby towns. It's him finding a place to be alone because the this that he just heard is that John the Baptist is dead. John the Baptist has been killed by Herod. King Herod has killed him because John kept taking the word of what Herod was doing and confronting him with it until Herod's wife orders her husband to have him killed. 
And so Jesus is mourning John the Baptist, who is not just the forerunner, but also Jesus' cousin. And he is out mourning as he goes to this remote place the people follow. So he gets off the boat and finds that all the people have come, and he has pity on them. He has compassion on them and spends the day healing their sick and maybe teaching. Matthew does not say that until we get to that Sunday school moment where the disciples say, why don't you send the people away? And then after this story, the other thing that we don't get in this account, in Matthew's account, we'll see that Jesus will send the disciples away, and the very next story will be Jesus walking on the water to come and meet them. But what we miss in that version that we don't pick up until we read the Gospel of John is why Jesus sends them away. And he sends them away because the people, after he has fed them, intend to make him king by force so that they can always have this bread, so that he can always feed them. Because getting bread is life, and getting bread is hard work. Getting bread is growing the wheat and threshing the wheat and keeping the wheat away from pests, and it is growing keeping some of the seed for next time. It is kneading the bread. It is baking the bread. It is all those things, and the people would rather Jesus fed them. And so he sends the disciples away and then sneaks away basically from this crowd that wants to make him king, and that is not what he intends. And when we get to those verses later on in that chapter where he says, I am the bread of life, it's a few days later, and what they're arguing about is the feeding of the 5,000. They come to him and ask him for a sign, and he says, you're not looking for me because of the signs you saw, because of the healing you saw me do but because you ate and had your fill. And what he tells them is, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And they misunderstand. They think he's still talking about bread, the bread that they're used to, the bread that they have every day, the ordinary, and he's now talking about something different. So when they say, give us this bread, he says, I am the bread of life something daily, something that life comes from. And so similarly, when we go back now and we look at those passages from Isaiah that we read this morning, where the prophet Isaiah says to them, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? We're no longer just talking about bread. We're talking about the things that matter, the things we need, the things that satisfy, like bread. And we know that because Isaiah will go on in the next verses to talk about, to go from talking about bread to seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. Similar to those verses of Jesus in the temptation saying, man does not live by bread alone. And so, Bread is common, and bread is ordinary, and bread is what we need. But what we need is an interesting question versus what we want. And this is an interesting time in our lives to look at the difference between what we want and what we need, and what we spend our money on that does not satisfy And where do we put our time and our resources and our energy and our focus? 
Now, I don't know about you, but this last four months or so have been challenging. And they've been challenging most especially to the way things are normally done. And things have changed. I don't know if you're aware, but spending has come down in the last four months on several things that you know, like travel, obviously. Now, I'm a part-time travel journalist, but I don't want to die. I don't want to get sick. And so I'm, like most of you, traveling less. I'm not going to restaurants nearly as much and certainly not going and sitting down in restaurants. New cars, people are spending less money on. I've got a car in the garage that hasn't been driven since March and the battery died sometime around then. Did you know that people are spending less money on pants? Because you can't tell if I'm wearing pants. You don't know if I'm still in my pajamas other than what you see on the Zoom call or wherever you're talking to your coworkers. Now, the only one that I have some questions about is when we all get back together again, I'm not sure that deodorant is the thing we need to be cutting back on, but that's changing. We're changing our habits because we're changing our priorities. I wouldn't get on a plane now to see some place, but I might to see someone because we're finding that some things have always been important. Some things like family and friends and strangers are important in God's eyes. And when God says that we are seeking the things that don't satisfy and we're seeking the things that are not as important, anything that is in the stuff category that isn't family, friends, and strangers, I think we need to reevaluate. And this is a wonderful time to reevaluate our priorities. It is a scary time. It is a challenging time. It is a frustrating time. But it is also a wonderful time to challenge what we always thought we needed. How many of you have found more time for families? How many of you are valuing the time you spend with children higher now than you were when you were running them around from this and that? Important and interesting and wonderful activities that have gone away. How many of you have reconnected with old friends? Old friends that somehow didn't fit into the busy patterns of our everyday. Not because we don't care or love them, but because our days get full. Because perhaps we're filling our days sometimes with things that do not satisfy. Or at least are less important. And so I challenge all of us during this time and every time to think about that which is important, to think about that which is, which satisfies, to think about that which is important to God, like family and friends and strangers. Because people are of value and stuff less so. And as we close, let me just remind you that the Jesus whom we follow, even on a bad day, even on a day when he would have preferred to just be by himself and mourn and grieve, that Jesus was moved by compassion for others to minister to them, even though it wasn't taken the way it was intended, even though their motivation may be impure, Jesus loves us and meets us where we are and calls us to do the same with the people who we encounter in our lives. Amen.
Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.